Are you ready to live the life you were meant to live? Is it time to step up and strive to reach your fullest potential? Will you dare to take the bold steps to drive your business and your life to the next level? Then you're ready to live in abundance, passion, and joy. You are ready to be a maverick. Join Paul Fink, the Maverick Millionaire, and the Mavericks Do It Different podcast. And welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Paul Fink, the Maverick Millionaire, and you are listening to Mavericks Do It Different podcast. And today, I'm so honored to be talking about stress. And yeah, some of you have it. Some of you believe you shouldn't have it. And we're going to unpack all of that and more with my special guest here, Madeleine Claire Weiss. And, and She's a licensed psychotherapist and board certified executive career life coach. And more importantly, co authored the handbook of stressful transitions across your whole lifespan. Being clear, this is the person to talk to about what's going on in our world and how to get control of it to make everything great. Madeline, it's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast and to talk to our audience. And we're talking about stress. Why is this such an important topic? Because the extent to which we master that defines our life. So it's great to have you here. It's wonderful to be here. Um, why why is this so important to you? Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up being the stress master, if you will. How much time did you say? Yeah, we've we got <laughs> a little bit of time. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, Lenny was diagnosed with hypertensive cardiovascular disease when he was 40. He died at 42 of a cerebral hemorrhage. The doctors said my father died of that, but since I was grounded at the time for speaking truth to power again, I went for years actually, because people didn't talk to their kids the way we do now. What a shame. Uh, yeah, yeah. So for years, I went around thinking my daddy died of me until this one very special day in the cemetery with my mom when I broke down with her about how all my fault it was. And I like to say in her shining moment as a mom, she said, no, honey, it wasn't you. It was work. So I was pretty worried about her financially. We had a family business. She worked for my father. The business closed when he passed away. And she went to work in a steel factory as a bookkeeper, God, God lover. Um, and I wanted to help. So I didn't, I didn't go to college right out of high school. I went to the University of Pennsylvania Graduate Hospital School of Medical Technology, and I had jobs in clinical chemistry labs and the USDA Biological Control Lab and Drexel's Cardiac Catheter Research Lab. But there was always 
no doubt related to my story, this pull to be helping the people directly. So I like to call myself the queen of pivot over my many long years have pivoted more and more and became a licensed psychotherapist. And then I found myself as the administrative director and treasurer of a group mental health practice. And I knew absolutely nothing about business. And they said to me, um, well, your mother was a bookkeeper, put all the money. This is, this is when I worked for a mental health practice that had 200 patients. And one day the owners announced that they had overextended themselves and the office I was in was the cash cow and they couldn't manage their whole business any longer. So you guys can have it. And all of a sudden overnight, I'm seven months pregnant and I'm treasurer and administrative director. And I didn't know what to do. And people said, just put all the money in a brown bag and take it home and figure it out which I did. And I hired an accountant and a bookkeeper and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. But I then went to business school. Smart idea. And then I, I was at Harvard Medical School as the associate director of the anatomical gift program for 13 years. But you know, there's like still this calling, even though I, I was so nourished by being able to help people at the time of their loved ones passing to donate their bodies to science and all of that. There was, there was still this thing, like if I can help one little boy or girls, mommy or daddy, or anybody at all for that matter, not have to suffer what my family suffered. I'm there. So here I am. So amazing how our That's life journey cool. defines how we how we show up and and what we do for others. Yeah, and it's so interesting, so great when we know that your heart is mm. in it and not just your mind uh, makes a big difference. You so- know, the universe does strange things. One of my very first clients was is actually because I'm still working with him because he started a business and. I'm helping him with that. But he he had a stroke also at around 40 years old. And he also had a 15-year-old daughter. So when this guy who came to me so miserable tells me now how his daughter and his wife, is a lovely wife, tell him they've never seen him so happy and that he's so present for them now. Like, I live for this. I live from this. That's exactly it. So, so tell tell me, and and you started to express with that story. What is it that you do for your clients? What is it that that you helped him with specifically to to create the change and the shift? You know, Paul, I asked myself that question not too long ago. I said to myself, self. All of these people are really different from one from the other. Right. All the people that I'm working with in age and ethnicity and gender and occupation. And not only that, but my education and experience is so diverse. Like, for example, I 
not not everyone knows this, but I studied Advaita Vedanta pre-Hindu tradition for close to 25 years in addition to the business and the psychotherapy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I said to myself, what are you doing? You know, like, what are you pulling out? Like, what is what is going right here? And I, I literally, I laid out all of my cases, all of my clients, and I said to myself, what do they have in common? And what I came up with was, ta-da, this five-step five process that they all seem to be going through. And it isn't like I have a program and you have to stick to my program because I don't believe in that. I think this is as much an art as it is a science. Right. But there, there are steps to this. So uh, can you expand on that? What are the steps? What, are, what do we go through? And, and at what point are we, uh, when do yep. we begin this process? And of course, I loved, love, love, love that it fit into the acronym GREAT. Yes. With, that's like my favorite word. Now it finds its way into everything. So anyway, the G. G dot R dot E dot A dot T dot. That when when people come to work with me, they're not really saying I want to have a great life because they don't even. They don't know. I think it says on my website something like most folks don't believe that they can make a great living and live a great life all at the same time. Right. You know, they yeah. feel like they're making sacrifices and trade-offs and all this kind of stuff. But the G is for grounding them in the belief that they can have a great life and that they have everything they need to get them there. Now, they they don't believe that, but I hold that space because I believe that because I see it. So I hold that space so until they can walk into it and own it and run with it on their own. Yeah. It's one of the things that we connected on is the understanding that, that, that people have the greatness within them and that everything that they need is within them. Yes. And our job as, as coaches and trainers and, or therapists of one sort or another, which we, anyone who's in any sort of consulting or is in a therapeutic point of view. Yeah. Uh, position that we're there to pull out the resources that are within them pull out the awareness and the understanding and the abilities that are within them that's our task that's our role and it's uh such a such a different perspective than than so many people they they're always so interested in making sure oh here's this tool or that tool oh yeah so people have it within them already and how do we pull it out of them how do we help them see it in psychiatric terms, it's called mirroring. You hold up a mirror so that they can see what we see. Right. Which when they when you start with them, they don't. Right. But they don't you, have belief. you kind of shine upon them till they can shine upon themselves. So the first line of the book is. A great life depends on a great fit between who we are in the environments 
in which we work and live. When people are out of that, I I didn't make that up. I was going to say Darwin did, but apparently there was a Wallace who co-authored the paper, so it's not clear who made that up. But this environmental fitness, the adaptation to your environment, which we used to not be able to create the way we can now. So the R, if a great fit depends on who you are and knowing that, the R is for recognizing who you are. And once people, you know, not who someone said you should be, not who you may have even thought you should be, like my lawyer who, why am I a lawyer? I don't even want to practice law. It's too adversarial. Who's exploring other environments now that really enliven her. So that's the E, the exploring. So it's grounding, recognizing, exploring, but you can't sit in la-la land dreaming away about all the wonderful environments you could be enjoying. At some point, you have to act. G-R-E-A is the action. So my clients all have action steps. That, see, and this is why I sort of morphed from psychotherapy to coaching, because it's more action-oriented. When I was a psychotherapist, I would have had my hand slapped by my supervisor if I did action steps with anybody. And I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, I love my therapist. He or she is so nice. But all I do is cry and complain and nothing changes. And they're really nice and they understand, but nothing changes. So the A, William James said... Action doesn't guarantee happiness, but there's no happiness without it. And then there's finally T, which is the normal, natural, predictable, inherent resistance to change. So we have to T for tackle or tame or tend, whichever. And it's different for different people what approach they want to take to their resistance, which is a part of them that has been there all along, just trying to keep them safe. So I sort of, I sort of like thanking the resistance for all it's done for me and then asking it if it could just trust me because we're going to move forward together now. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, resistance. That's it. It's so interesting. And what you were talking about as far as the action, and I'm going to delve into that in just a moment. I absolutely in agreement. And it's one of the biggest challenges I've had with psychotherapy. And I was trained to be a a clinical psychologist. And one of the biggest challenges I had was that like, it's all well and good, only there's enough analysis as to why I was diaper changed in a certain way. Could we get on with today? Let's get on with what we're doing. And understanding that the action and and being active and present in your current life is so important. I always say to the clients when they ask me, like, how is it different from therapy? And are we going to talk about my past? I say this, only as much as is necessary to get the job done. 
The job is not your past. The job is your present and your future. What we need to go back there and get, and I usually get a really good formulation that I can see playing out all over their present life. And if they don't tweak it, it's going to wreak havoc on the rest of their life. So the past is informative in that way. But I think, yeah, I think too much psychotherapy gets stuck there. And you notice that too. Yeah. And, and the whole concept of, you know, reflecting on the past, reflecting on the past is great. And this is in, in microcosm as well as macro that it's either, you know, even in today's and, and looking at, oh, what happened in my business over the last year? What happened in my (laughs) business in the last month? Well, it's great to reflect only if I stay there for too long, my next month is going to suck just worse than my last one. Right. And get what you need and get out. Right. 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 Pay attention to it just enough to grab hold of the nuggets of what you need to change. Right. So that you can move forward and create something new in the future. Right. You know, I always liken the past to gravity. So, I like to say that the people who brought us airplanes didn't try to get rid of or change gravity. They tried to understand it so they could work with it so we could fly. Yes. And the resistance is the gravity that pulls and the past that pull us down if we let it. So, I don't advise spending a lot of attention to try to get rid of it or change it or any of that. I always uh, think like the brain is like a garden and you build a new one and you plant a new one and then you water that one and the old stuff will just kind of weaken and wither. Or there's that wonderful story about the grandfather and the two wolves And the little boy says to the grandfather, there's the good wolf and the bad wolf, and they're fighting with each other. Grandfather, which one is going to win? And the grandfather, I'm sure everybody's heard this. And the grandfather says, the one you feed. So getting stuck in the past is feeding that. And there is some science now that it actually strengthens the very neural connections of the trauma you're trying to leave behind. So water the new with those, as you said, nuggets from what you've learned. It's it's one of those things that is so hard to put your put your head around the fact that there is some methodologies that mm-hmm. we've leaned into for decades now if not centuries that absolutely are harmful to us i know that's one of them I know. Is that, that is as we focus in on our pain and oh let's let's analyze it let's bring it to the service let's release it well, all that sounds all well and good, but whatever you focus on expands. Yeah. And that is true in a scientific level of focusing on something, increasing the pathways to it, increasing our retrieval of that information, of that emotion, of that of that stress, if you will. Um, and, and it's so harmful to us. Mm. What are some of the things? And, and 
you know, we all, with all this, we're talking about an underlying all of it is that it creates stress. The, the components of our background, the components of our experiences, our life uh, changes, if you will, stress happens in our world. How do we reduce it? How do we create productivity regardless of it? Or is it in with it? Uh, you know, clarify some of this. Well, the thought, I mean, there's so much to this, but one thing that just popped into my head is a lot of people, they're all very smart, you know, but a lot of them don't realize right away that the reason that they're so miserable is because they're bored. So the brain like I said, it's trying to conserve energy. It's trying to keep them safe. It's keeping them in the comfort zone where no new learning takes place. There's a Yale study that 70% of new learning takes place outside of the comfort zone and yep. they're not growing. So, you know, I say to them, you know, the bird wants to fly, the tree wants to grow. And so do you. And I just... um noticed this morning on LinkedIn, I'm sure you get all that stuff too, but there was, they're talking about internal mobility in organizations. And this is so exactly what I'm seeing is that people don't feel like it's okay. First, they don't even know that they want to grow. First, they don't even know that they're suffering from that. And then when they know, like just between you and me, they know, they think it's not okay to tell the people they work with and for, you're great. This was fun. I got to grow. Right. Can right. you help right. me do that here? Yeah. I have, I have people presently that I see who are struggling with, is it okay in this environment, back to the environment, to uh, tell people that they want to move up? And if they don't, they're miserable. And who do they blame that on? Well, they're not going to blame it on themselves because they don't know that's what they're doing. So they blame it on their spouses. They blame it on their bosses. They blame it on their co-workers. And everything just gets more and more, to use the word, stressful. Because you have to deal with all of that. So, so the solution is be open and honest. With yourself. And... First, however, then also to share with with the people around you is. Yeah. So, well, yes and no. So in this. I have exercises at the end of every chapter. Awesome. One, of, one of them is called um, RHP. It's your resource holding potential. And when I first learned about that, I learned about it with dung beetles. So dung beetles amass dung and the one with the biggest pile of dung gets the girl and procreates and gets to live and put future generations into the world. So that's that one's resources. Humans have, let's say, we have different kinds of resources, but the reason I said yes and no 
is we have to assess our leverage. We have to assess two things, our resource holding potential and our motivation, a combination of those two things before we stick our neck out and make clear what it is we're after, because the timing might not be right. You might need to build constituencies first. You might need to show some um, excellent performance that you haven't gotten around to first. So yes and no. So the clarity is, one is be truthful and honest with yourself, which is the the biggest piece that, that so many people don't do, is that the, the, it's okay they, to want to grow. They, they have this angst only. They never quite look at and figure out why they have it. They just start slapping the world because of it, if you will. Yes. Once you're aware well that you have it and you know, and you know that, oh, time for me to change, then it's about, and working with somebody like you, creating a strategic plan on how to position that change. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love doing the visioning exercises with them where they create um, neuro-linguistic programming teaches. You do the visual, the auditory, and the kinesthetic to really bring and sink into the brain. And all the mindset people are talking about this too, right? The actual experience, because the brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not real. So you sink into the brain, this vision of what life can be like. And then you figure out what it takes to get there. And importantly, like we said before, what's in the way. Hmm. So, Hmm. so... What what's the secret with all of this? What's the secret with reducing stress? Is there one? Alignment. Alignment with internal as well as external. A great life depends on a great fit between who we are and the environments in which we work and live. And yes, Paul, the environments include your internal and your external environment. The talk in your head matters just as much as the talk coming out of anybody else's mouth. And maybe more, more. So, so here, here's the rest. And you and I just kind of chatted and, and, uh, and going with this conversation, there's so many people that with this conversation, they may have a aha and awareness that, you know what? Yeah. They, they hate what they're doing. Uh, they don't like how how their life is going. This isn't, the, you know, what, what's the old song? This isn't this isn't the car. This isn't my this isn't my house. This isn't my my suit. Uh, what are they to do? Are, are are we saying you know if they wake up one day and say I don't like this job, what now? Uh, I want to. I want to. I want to make. A qualification and clarification here that I think is really important. I've had clients pick up their families and move to the other side of the world because he was a doctor and he didn't like the way medicine was practiced here. I've had clients who were in space and defense and moved into finance startup on the other side of the country. But here's what I want to underscore. 
I've had clients who have fallen in love with exactly where they are because they rearranged the furniture in their heads. Ooh. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. That that's really key. And it's uh, yeah. understanding that you have control and you can decide what you love, what you don't love, where, what's going to really fulfill your passions. I had, I have a, a, a bank vice president who was miserable because there was this one aspect of her life that, cause she was trying not to be like her mother. Now she feels a little sorry that it's getting kind of late in the game to have a white picket fence kind of a thing, but everything in her life was otherwise perfect. And when she said to me, so enriched and fulfilling. And when she said to me, you know, my life is 85% great. And the other 15% is nothing I can't handle now. That's it. And yeah. she, she decided to stay exactly where she is. And she's just having one hell of a good time. And yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me when I talk working with uh, new entrepreneurs and, and new business owners, and they, they're, they hear the story about, oh man, grab hold of your passion and follow your passion and only do what you really love. And that's how you build a great life. And then they're like, but I hate computer work. So I'm just going to avoid all computer. I was like, you still have to answer your emails. This is, you cannot like just eliminate all that stuff. There's still certain things that you've got to learn to love to be able to progress and create more and, and create that great life that you really want. Yeah, that, that, I have a question that for you. 80, 20, that 90, 10 yeah. that, that equation that there are certain things that you simply have to learn to love. Good. What's your question? My question for you is because I react when people say about their passion. Like, so my question for you is what if what if people aren't good at what they're passionate about? I don't believe that that's a possibility. Oh, interesting. Okay, say more. Um, everything is fascinating the more you research it. And the more you research it, the more you become an expert at it. So when you're passionate about something, it doesn't mean, for instance, if you're passionate about music, it doesn't mean you've got to be the best singer. But there is a way to monetize your passion and create and live within it all every day. In that industry. Right. In that industry, in that mantra, working yeah. with people that have beautiful voices, there's places to, to, there's ways to spend your whole day in life within that passion without being, you know, the the talent of being able to sing or play or do something in, and we're talking something along the lines of music is a real easy way to to talk about this uh -huh. um, but the fascination with it will cause you to research and, and study it more which mm. then will create you as the expert i see okay so the passion moves you to be that the top of your game with it no matter what somehow uh, and somehow and be connected to yeah. Yeah. And live within that space all the time. Yeah. So that's how almost every passion, uh, matter of fact, I've I've actually been tested okay. on this. 
Well, yeah. here's another one. I have heard from lots of people. Okay, so case example. A female attorney in healthcare regulation, which she finds so incredibly tedious. And we explored together what really matters to her. And she said, my family matters to me more than anything in the world. And I say to her, and how is this very tedious job you're doing any benefit at all to your family? And of course, she's supporting the whole family. Right. Everything, all the food, everything fun and wonderful is because of this job she's not passionate about. Little by little, lo and behold, one day, I don't even know this is happening until she's already filed the papers. She starts this woman who had no energy whatsoever. She was dragging around. She was miserable. All of Very a sudden, common. she's got a side gig. She's all full of energy. She's all happy. She put together this little side gig business. Her husband and her son, her teenage son, are in this little business with her. And it was all because, and she's, her day job is not something she's passionate about, but it feeds something she's passionate about. And she was good to go. She was happy. Yes. So what do you think? Here's what here's what I've learned is that there are certain things that are ver- that are vehicles for you. So her day job is the vehicle to help her launch the this other project, if you will, this other passion. However, what I would say is at this stage, yeah. that day job is her anchor. Yeah. I would guarantee that if she devoted the time and energies she's devoting. Oh, here, I see into it's, her passion she'd be able to monetize her passion and it's her gravity something great yeah because here's the thing and i was talking to uh someone another great great thought leader recently and we were talking about this subject about about sleep deprivation and whether that's a real thing because people that are that are passionate about what they're doing they find they don't need a lot of sleep. And you look at all top leaders. It's like, oh, well, I, I sleep. I wrote know, on four, that. Four or five hours a, a, a night. And and that's, you know. That's I saw fun. that. Right. I, I don't need that. Well, that's right. if that's the case. Yeah. What makes that so is that they're so passionate about it. We're not talking about living a nine to five. We're not talking about the need for that. Yeah. For that sleep and that oh we need time off is that we're we're so passionate about what we're doing time's irrelevant mm-hmm. that, get that leads to automatic success that leads to the explosion. Well, you're raising so ways. you're you're raising another great question, which is there are lots of people who have day jobs who are building side gigs that they hope will become their be all and end all for, you know, to leave the day job. And there's a question of the timing of that because there's so much anxiety 
for right. the people, you know, I've worked with the people who didn't have a day job and were trying to build a business. Right. And the anxiety becomes that gravity that pulls them down. So the people, so sometimes the people who have the day job, but then don't have that much angst as the others, but then you're saying the day job drags them down because it's utilizing all the passion and the energy. So, so what do you think? How do you know? They're utilizing the passion and energy that's sapping them. With no, I know. Right? The other thing that's going on is that there's, there's a certain focus and commitment that happens with ultimate, there, there is no plan B. Yeah. That, that eliminates safety nets and you're going to be, a, you know, just a little bit more focused in grabbing hold of every ring really clearly. Isn't it true, though, that a lot of those people are going back to day jobs? A lot of the people who left the day jobs in their pan in the pandemic to start their own businesses, some of those are finding that was overrated and going back. Just because people are are challenged is not a proof that it wouldn't work. (laughs) The challenge is, is that they that they still knew that they could. Yeah. And as long as you have the mantra that, oh, well, I can always get another job. What's the motivation to walk through fire? So another point that I like to say a lot to my clients that life is not a snapshot. It's a moving picture. Yes. And each intervention you make in your life is based on what you've noticed from the one that came before it. So people are free to explore GRE, explore and experiment. And none of it is carved in stone anymore the way it used to be back in the day in my parents' generation where people did the same thing for their whole life. Right. And part of the biggest shift from that old American myth and and today is that now we know we have choices. Yes. Now we're much more aware of the options in front of us. And so now it's a matter of choosing your lane, choosing your path, and, and grabbing hold of the techniques and strategies like you're talking about on how to navigate all that. It, because there, there's no one absolute, you know, not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone's meant to be working in corporate America. Not everyone's meant to be the, the leader or, or the worker. Mm. There's a mix of all of us. Now the question is, you've got to choose your lane. You've got to decide what you want. Only now you have all the options given the right tools. And that's I- where you come in. I have a three-part program. It's online courses and it's on my website on optimizing decision-making. And you use the word navigate, which is in the third part, but it's not just, you have to, you have to, so it's not enough to make a great decision, which the first module is. Right. Because if you're not committed to it, it wasn't so great. So 
learning how to optimize the decision in the first place, then how to commit to it. But even if you're committed to your great idea, there are other people usually involved in the mix and we have to navigate those to either get the ones you need on board or to move the other ones out of the way. So it isn't, isn't just carving our own path by ourselves for ourselves. There are all these stakeholders, right? Yes, we're we're in the world with other people. There, without a question, Madeline, we've talked about uh, so many different aspects with stress, with all the different tools that you have. What's the way that they can get a hold of you? Get involved with some of these tools. What's the best way for them to reach okay. out? Okay, so. I have everything is on my website and there are buttons at the top of it. And there's a free power breathing exercise, which I would love everyone to have. Um, That's a 30 second mindset reset. So you put your higher brain rather than your emotional reactivity in charge. I have a lot to say some other time about how important the emotions are in our decision-making, but they don't get to drive the bus. So that's what this exercise is for. The online courses are there, the book is there, and a free strategy session for anyone who cares to please be in touch. That is huge. Absolutely. Everyone who wants, who absolutely understands all that we've been talking about is so critical to your future, so critical to what you can create in your life. Mm-hmm. Grab all the resources, grab all that's here for you because uh, you only live one. You have one life. Let's make it great. Use her words. G-R-E-A-T. Madeleine, it's absolutely great to have you here. Thank oh, you it's so great much to be for here. being Thank a part you. of this. Thank uh, you. We've got listeners all around the world. Uh, listening to this podcast and being a part of our Maverick community. Any last words to share with them? Well, something that hasn't come up and I would like to bring up is the concept. I mentioned, I think, that I've been studying uh, Advaita Vedanta for over 20 years and they have a concept, which is, and I think think you're going to like this, Paul, good company. So that's not just the people we hang with, although it does include them. It's the food we eat, the wine we drink, the books we read, and importantly, the thoughts in our own head. The very best company we can find and afford. So good company. And I thank you for your good company today. My pleasure. Yeah, me too. Absolutely keep good company. We're here to be part of your company. And uh, that means uh, sharing and being a part of this community. Thank you so much, Madeline. It's been a pleasure. And uh, for all of you, the links and information are here. Go to the websites, go and, and, and just uh, be a part of it all. So often we deliver resources that that people just negate. Use it. Grab hold of it. That's what we're here 
Madeline especially has offered up time with her. Thank you all for tapping in, for being a part of this community, for listening to this week's episode of Mavericks Do It Different podcast. We really appreciate you. We really appreciate the time you're spending here. Go ahead, make sure to share it on Facebook and Instagram and share us all over the place so the Maverick universe continues to expand and we get these messages out there for everyone to prosper and everyone to enjoy. Look forward to having you join us next week at the next amazing episode of Mavericks Do It Different podcast. Until then, this is Paul Fink, the Maverick Millionaire. Continue to be doing it different every single day. Mm. Continue to be a Maverick. Talk to you soon. Thanks for being here today. As we close out this episode, which inspired you to be even more of a Maverick, be sure to leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. As our gift to you, be sure to go to themaverickuniverse.com where you can download your free copy of the Maverick Manifesto. Until next time, dare to be different. Dare to be a Maverick.